Beer is awesome, but sometimes the world of beer can be intimidating. As a team of four women with diverse point of views, from our cultures to our roles in the industry, we're here to share with you the real faces behind the bubbly, crispy drink we all love, and yes, really, all drink. Happy Pod Day. Yeah, so it's Happy Friday, but sometimes it's not always going to be a Friday, it's sometimes going to be a Tuesday. Yeah, but every day is Pod Day. Every day is Pod Day. You put these headphones on, boom, it's Pod Day. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, Can I be honest about something? I am over this weather. It's pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, it's September. It shouldn't be this hot. Yeah, I'm ready for I'm crispy season. And by that, I mean just crispy weather with crunchy leaves. And um, I like to wear my comfy socks and my sweats. I love Ayana's face right now. She <laughs> loves <Sorry>. it. <laughs> <laughs> Anna's also ready. What's up, Ayana? Ayana, why are we No, laughing? I'm not. I'm not ready. Um, people forget that September is still summer. Thank you. Summer does not end until September 21st. Thank you. And it's so crazy. It is supposed is also, to be this hot in yeah, September. It always is. is. That's, yes. It's not supposed to be this hot. But yes, yeah. it is. It no, always it's not is. It's supposed to be in the 90s in September. I need you to dial it back. 90 degrees in September? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. 90 no. degrees. But I, would say that, but I would say yeah. that first week of September should be like 70s, 80s. Yeah, low humidity. that's what I want. Low humidity. I Maybe low to like none humidity. Weather doesn't know the boundaries of months. Like <laughs> usually the end of August is really hot and the beginning of September is basically the end of August. All I'm saying is summer needs to respect my boundaries. I just don't think <laughs> that's, that's all fair saying. of you to ask. Well, I, I can absolutely at the ask rate the world is warming, that's probably never going to happen Yeah, I, again. Like, I think summer is going to gonna like take up space so Lindsay Barr we we met a few uh months ago she is she is the the co-owner of draft labs and it's a program that we actually use at the at the brewery where I work and it's been such an important tool for us so draft lab is an online tool that could be downloaded and it's an app that I can use my phone and also on on our laptop to be able to create these like these testing modules for our beer which really helps gauge our perspective and our sensory on the beer. And we can write notes on it as well, where it's like, I can pick up diacetyl, I can do this. So the thing with that is when you're having uh, the team, when you're having your own employees actually give their perspectives on their sensory, on what they're tasting and whether they like the beer or not, it really allows the company itself to kind of start shifting its, uh, its recipes or how they produce a beer because they're also getting that input from their employees as well. So that's what Draft Labs is, is being able to incorporate the sensory, I was gonna say like a sensory rainbow, but it's not a sensory rainbow. It's, it's kind of like, um, like a spectrum mm-hmm. of understanding the beer and being able to pinpoint your personal sensory experiences when you're testing the beer, when you're trying the beer. And it's sometimes it can range like one to two beers a day. And sometimes it could be 26 beers oh. in one hour. And that can really just mess with your, with your tum tum. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And the great thing about draft. uh, Yeah. I do that every week. Oh my God. Have you ever used it, Ayana? The draft labs? No, I've never used it. I mean, you you know it. You you know about it. Um, nope. Nope. I didn't. I mean, I know that there are like tools that there are more sophisticated tools than just like a stream of Slack messages that places (laughs) use to, um, (laughs) uh, evaluate their beers, uh, 
which unfortunately is the tool that I'm most used to. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, do we work at the same place? <laughs> <laughs> and if those who are listening, the reason why Ayana sounds like she's speaking from a from the next room is because Ayana is coming down with a cold or a voice virus or an illness. What what's Something. so she can't I, I be here know. today, but she's <laughs> here in spirit via a yeah. Zoom. Show me the cats. <laughs> Dis- di- how no. many cats do you have in your household? I have two, but they can't be in here because if I, uh, it gets weird. <laughs> like, it just straight up gets weird. There's something about like the pitch frequency of like any voice over the phone microphone that like one of my cats starts like freaking out. Like it's oh bad. He starts oh, like humping cool. everything. Like oh. into real- no, it's really weird. So. I am alone in my bedroom <laughs> and my cats are locked in the other room. God, that's fascinating. That's quite a Friday night if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so Ayana is she is potting from her the comfort of her own bedroom. Let's get into it. Yeah? Yeah. You yeah. guys wanna Let's start? You wanna Lindsay. meet yeah. Lindsay? She, you guys are gonna love her so much. Uh, cue the music. Ladies and gentlemen, and the theys, is that, can I say that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We have Lindsay Barr, co-owner of Draft Labs. Let's do the snaps. Ooh, yeah. Sensory. <laughs> yeah, sensory. I love it. Hi, Lindsay. How you doing? Hey, it's nice to be here. It's good to see your faces. Wow, it's good to see your face. I see, is it really hot over there in where you where calling in from? You? From San Francisco, right? Beautiful San Francisco, California, and I wouldn't say that it's hot, but um, this is like the first sun that I've seen in a little while, so I'm just kind of like soaking it in and letting all of the rays come into my house, so it's Ooh, nice. The Love last that. breath of summer. You, you just take yeah. really want summer to stay, huh? I do. I do. I'm the only one. Yeah, you are. Sorry. Yeah. I need the autumn. I need the autumn to come in. I need those leaves to start turning color. I need to start making my soups. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I usually feel that way, but no, you can just that. make soup all summer. That's what this I is do. True. Yeah, look at her go. She's <laughs> making soup right now. But why are you guys? I feel like summer is more for like cold food. No, that's yeah, like no, ceviche. You know, aguachile. I agree with that. You can Tacos, gazpacho. Gazpacho is a cold soup. Don't bring gazpacho into this. I know. Right now. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank <laughs> it's, you. It's a really contentious subject. <laughs> no, I like fully agree. Like I didn't. I'm sorry for bringing up gazpacho. <laughs> uh, so Lindsay, I think this is the first time that you are meeting the rest of the girls, right? You haven't met them yet. I have um, not. It's lovely okay. to meet your acquaintance. You as well. well. You we too. are really happy that you're here, and this is really exciting because. You and I met not even a year ago, right? You and I met last, was it last? No, it was like in March, March or February. Yeah, it was at the, I think it was at the MBAA or or something like that. But when we were talking about our origin story just a little while ago, just like a couple months ago, I was like, yeah, reason I go back like five years. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) yeah. You're like, no, we don't. We yeah, go back less than a year. I hate to burst this bubble of friendship, but we definitely met like six months ago. But okay, oh, but that's yeah, how that's yeah. how much we we bonded so quickly. We just totally fell into it almost immediately. 
And I was, that's when I learned that Lindsay is like the co-creator of Draft Labs. Like, wait, we do Draft Labs at work. And I thought to myself, okay, I have so many questions. Cause I'm really, I'm, I love sensory. Sensory is like my jam. I, I'm, I'm all about figuring out my skill set and how to perfect it. And I know the importance of it. And I know that also some of us in here are still trying to learn that process because we're start we're just now getting started and learning sensory with beers and it them fermenting and not just during fermentation but after fermentation so it was so I wanted to sit you down and like obviously like give you alcohol and then just like question like just give you all the questions that I could think of in terms of sensory and I'll even text you like hey here's a thing like I know it's a Tuesday at two o'clock but like how do I get better at all of these things and from that our friendship just blossomed and we weren't even like drinking at that point we were just hanging out just at work-ish, right, at this conference, which I thought was amazing. Mm -hmm. So when we started up this process, like we started up the first episode trying to figure out who we're going to be, who's going to be our first guest, I thought you would be perfect because currently right now it's also hop selection going on, it being September. And uh, everything about hop selection, sensory plays a big role into it. And I mm -hmm. thought it would be perfect to have you come on because what you do has a big connection to the process of beer and how much the industry very much relies on your program to do what we do and trying to continue our quality and ensuring that it sticks, right? So I know that I'm going on with that, but I really wanted to talk about how Lindsay and I started to become friends because even after we left each other, it wasn't like, great, we'll keep in touch and then just never talk ever again, which happens in the industry with all of us. We've all been there. It's like, it's been a great time like getting to know you. We'll keep in touch. And that's just never the case. But with you and I, it was almost like, hey, totally just thinking about you. What are you doing? <laughs> and that relationship yeah. stayed. So I, one, I want to say thank you for for just having us click, like our energies. Our moons are probably in the same houses with Definitely. the um, Saturns <laughs> and everything in between. So that makes sense. But yeah, planetary alignment. Exactly. So I'll <laughs> go ahead and just start the first question. How did you get started with Draft Labs? Like what, what is your origin story with that? Yeah, so we started Draft Lab in 2016. And uh, so I guess it's been about seven years at this point. My co-founder and I looked at each other the other day and we were like, we've been doing this for like seven years. We've been working together for seven years and we haven't murdered each other yet, which is <laughs> a huge feat. Um, he and I have a very like brother sister kind of relationship. It's really fun. Um, so yeah, we started Draft Lab in 2016. Uh, at the time I was working for New Belgium. Um, I was at New Belgium for about 10 years as the sensory and consumer research specialist. Um, and at the, in 2016, we developed the beer flavor map. Um, so that happened in 2016. And I was kind of on a road show talking about it, promoting it, trying to get people to use it, trying to, you know, say goodbye to the flavor wheel that um, <laughs> was created in 1973 or something um, and start kind of just adopting this, this new format of beer language. Um, so that was kind of like a fun passion project and, um, Matt and I, and our other two co-founders, which is Matt, Mike, and Chad were, are the three other co-founders. Um, we met at an MBAA in Florida. They were looking for somebody to help them develop a, essentially a sensory software tool. They were commissioned by a large ish brewery outside of Western New York in Western New York to essentially kind of create what they were looking to do. And they were trying to find an expert and we found each other 
really beautifully and uh, kind of courted each other for a couple of months and then just decided to like make a thing. And um, I really didn't know what it could be at the time. I think it was, you know, yeah, sure. Let's like test some stuff out. And um, after I really started seeing the impact that it had on the companies that we were working with, I recognized like how really amazing and powerful that it could be. And um, we just kind of gave ourselves to it from there. Um, so that's that's the basic origin story. Um, I, I definitely wanted to make something that kind of fit in the middle. Um, a lot of large companies have been running sensory programs forever. Um, and that's across industries. It's just, this isn't, you know, we didn't invent anything new. This is something that a lot of companies have been doing and we really wanted to make it accessible for smaller businesses, those same kind of tools, um, accessible for small businesses. So that's always been our business plan, our business model. And that's where we kind of thrive is with small to mid-sized businesses. I want to go back real quickly to the flavor wheel, to those listeners who are very much new to Sensoru, even this part of of the beer industry, what what is a flavor wheel? Yeah, so the the there are a whole bunch of different kind of flavor lexicon tools out there. They come in all different shapes and sizes, uh, wheels, maps, tables, whatever. You know, they're the shape kind of doesn't really matter so much. Essentially, what they are are just lexicon tools to help people to describe their experiences. And they're they're very powerful. The beer flavor map was you know created in in 1973, I think, by Morton Mylegard, and it was way ahead of uh, its time. Um, very powerful, great tool. And even in his initial paper that was releasing it to the world, he said this needs to change. This needs to develop over time. We need to talk about it. We need to grow our language, and we expect it to change every year. And nobody had picked it up um, until 2016. So at the time, wow. beer flavor had changed a lot. In 1973, beer flavor was light lager. And uh, wow. the flavor has changed a lot. So um, <laughs> it's it's broader, it's bigger. Our first kind of rendition of it, we tried to put it in a wheel form and it just was a complete mess. So I'm like, okay, well, we have to kind of like blow it out. And I always wanted to make it more accessible. I wanted to make some kind of software tool to help people to use it and get actual like real life value out of it. Um, and that's that's kind of where it started. And that's really where any strong sensory program starts is just learning how to talk about the product, learning how to describe it. Um, and if you if you start there and stop there, like you've gained some great skills. Great. Um, but where you kind of really start to get the benefits of that kind of work is when you bring people into it and start using that information for product development and QC. When you say like a map of the flavor, like the, uh, can you describe kind of the parameters of what that means? Like, are you talking about like flavor descriptors? Are you talking about mm -hmm. like real scientific terms? Is it sort of just like a dictionary? I mean, you said lexicon, which is kind of a synonym, but like it just kind of to visualize it. Yeah, um, it's a good question. And we kind of grappled with that initially. Like, do we want to build this based off of chemical, really specific language or do we want it built on analogy? And um, we decided to build it on analogy with mm -hmm. terms that are accessible and understandable by people with no training. 
Um, one of the things that we learned early on is that you're not going to start a sensory program if you don't get the value of it right away. <laughs> so mm, you kind of have true. to be able to recognize some level of value on day one. Um, and if you're brought with this lexicon that's just built on these abstract chemical terms, that just in, that increases that barrier to entry and that doesn't really help businesses get into this really quickly or individuals get into this. So essentially it's a, a list of terms that that are broad initially, and then they kind of get into layers of specificity. So most people can say, I'm detecting something fruity, mm -hmm. um, but it brings you through getting a little bit more specific. If you stop at fruity, that's great. Um, but we'll also suggest, is it is it berry? Is it tropical? Or is it citrus? Okay, it's citrus. Well, what kind of citrus? Is it grapefruit, orange, lemon? And then, you know, yeah, sure, it's lemon. So you've gone from having a broad experience and then we kind of take you on that path to um, kind of investigate a little bit more about what you're experiencing. So it kind of doubles as a training tool as well. See, that's something that I really want to work on too because everything that you're just saying like this, the berry flavor that you're talking about, sometimes my descriptors of a beer that I'm tasting is this kind of tastes like pool water. I do that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's like, I, but why pool water? And what is that? What is that description? I, like, what's another way of yeah. calling that? Yeah. No, I truthfully, for me, when I started doing sensory, I was like, I'm going to say the first thing that comes to mind. Like, and mm -hmm. I, I, sometimes a lot of people didn't, they, they couldn't, um, they couldn't relate culturally, but I'm mm -hmm. like, let me bring this in yeah. and you'll have it. And I promise you it tastes like this. And mm -hmm. people you know, have because, different connotations too, for different things yeah. that like, I'll say chlorine. I don't, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a, bad yeah. thing. I'm yeah. like, no, it tastes like chlorine. Like cherries just taste like chlorine to yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, perfect example. Today I tasted a barrel, right? And I said, oh, it's like soapy. And my coworker said, soapy? And I was like, oh, like, like lavender, like too much lavender soap. <laughs> like, like floral. Soapy like that, like floral, yeah. like floral, but right. in a soapy way. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I taste it. And I'm like, it's, it's difficult mm -hmm. for me to like be super broad when I taste something and it takes me directly to a memory. Yeah. And I connect sensory in that way where I'm like, I'm going to say the first thing that comes to mind. Right. But whatever I, it is, because well, yeah. that's where it takes me, well, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's also just literally how one identifies and perceives smell. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is triggering a memory. And I, mm -hmm. when I had COVID and I completely lost my sense of smell and it was, um, I like did this really intense training program with myself at home. Like, in my quarantine where every day I would just like intensely smell like four to six different things multiple times a day. And I would just really focus on like my memories of those smells, you know, That's and so eventually, you know, that, that I think that that was something that really helped me like regain it was like being able to like reconnect those like neural pathways through just like really focusing on memories that I associate with them. Mm. You should like patent that technique for people who've lost. Their oh, so, someone's already done it. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> like Ayana, that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, well that's with, with that. Sorry, sorry for interrupting, Cindy. Um, with the flavor wheel that you're talking about, now that clearly the industry is becoming more diverse, and there are people from different cultural backgrounds coming in. Where, you know, my idea of a beer is like we've all said it's all based off of memory with how I grew up culturally with what I'm tasting, right? Whether it's, it's papaya or guava or, or something mm -hmm. like, yeah, um, yeah, like yeah. Jamaica. Yeah. Which yeah. is what I pick up at times that other people who aren't from my culture, like can't pick up. 
do you feel like the like this flavor wheel and what you're you know what you're doing with draft labs do you feel like you have to expand a bit more or are you focusing more on the basics in order to kind of create a not a, like, not like a fair ground but kind of like something that's more like e- understandable or like accessible where yeah. it's like mm-hmm. if if andreina is tasting um jamaica right mm-hmm. Wait, what's that in English? Hibiscus. Hibiscus. <laughs> Hibiscus. See what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, then like, then, then, you know, Barry from Idaho is picking up something else. Like, is there, is, do you guys have to work a little bit more towards it to kind of help adjust it or just have it evolve a bit more? Or are you really, but like, uh, are you, are you really like leaning into this flavor wheel that you guys created to be able to, ex- to be able to like hit all markers from people that are coming in now that are from different cultures? Yeah. We definitely like to modify it and update it on a regular basis. Um, we actually haven't updated it in a little while, so it's kind of due. We're, we're up for it. Um, even when we released it in 2016, we came out with the second edition almost immediately when we got feedback from the industry. Um, the first initial launch was basically built on, on the literature, the existing literature. Um, and, uh, also just some general experience, but I, I mean, that's a pretty narrow perspective though. The people who are writing this literature and you know, the, the, how the industry looked at the time was like pretty much one dimensional. Um, and it's definitely changed a lot. So I've, I've, that's kind of one of the limitations of it at this moment is that there, you know, we get feedback from our users, which is great. I mean, there are. 13,000 or something users right now, um, individuals, and we get feedback from there. And I look at that information every year and I kind of integrate what I'm seeing consistently. Um, but there isn't like a really specific way of, of soliciting that information. So it's probably time to start doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's so interesting. And if you need help, you'd be happy to help. Like if you need just like a, like a testing group, you know, yep. we, we very research study. Oh my God. That's Ooh. so us. We're there to support Amazing. you and to be there for you. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Did, was sensory something that like why sensory and not like, you know, going into hops or going into malt or just the brewing process itself? Like what, what pulled you, what pulled you into that part of your career that, that sparked this idea for draft labs? Um, yeah. Well, I got into sensory in 2008 or whatever. And um, I I had my degree in biochemistry and molecular biology. So I was into biochemistry, um, started working in labs and I thought it was kind of boring and not very social. So <laughs> didn't really love that world. Um, and, and then I started kind of simultaneously getting into beer. So I went to UC Davis to study food science. So I studied food science and I focused on beer for a couple of years. So I did my master's degree in food science. And that's, I I knew that I wanted to go into the brewing industry, but when I was studying there, I just kind of fell in love with sensory. There were sensory courses. They were all mostly through the wine and like the viticulture and enology path. And I took all of them and I got really excited about it. And um, beer basically kind of brought me to sensory. So I started off as somebody who I would consider to be like a brewer who happened to do sensory. And at some point that flipped and now I'm a sensory person that happens to know stuff about beer. 
Um, and I, I don't flex my beer muscles quite as much as I do my sensory muscles. So I stay um, up to date on what, what's going on in the wild world of sensory. Um, that happened. I don't know when that shift, hap shift happened, but um, it, it happened. Um, you know, I see sensory as something that any kind of business can take advantage of from day one um, mm. with chemistry and from microbiology that, you know, all these other kind of tools are, are really great, but they require equipment, they require expertise, they require time. And sensory, for the most part, we all have the tools that we need to start getting data right away. Mm. Um, so it's really accessible. You really don't need anything except for your face hole <laughs> and a little bit of like, <laughs> oh, hell. That's, that's all science that's was for so long, too. Scientists would just, yeah, they would just lick stuff. It's so crazy. Like, <laughs> like in the 19th century, there were so many records of just people being like, this is what blood tastes like. Isn't that crazy? Like that was science for a really long time. So it's a very scientific process. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, what else were they supposed to do? A, I mean, they didn't I, have microscopes. That it, no, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, you you want to figure out, you want to explore something. Yeah, you lick yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, you lick it. What's the experience? Yeah, you're like, I'm going to smell it. I'm going to lick it. And then I'm going to, no. I don't know. Yeah, blood. And especially yes. in, in beer, like it in beer, <laughs> we are producing a product that is meant to be consumed. Yeah, so that is it, convenient. <laughs> so it's convenient. Better than blood, yeah. <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense to put it in your mouth and use that as a measurement of the the quality of the product. Although there are some points in beer that you don't want to put it in your mouth, but you have to anyway. Yeah. I learned sure. that today. Like during oh, the, Yeah, we were doing diacetyl tests today yeah. and uh, Sydney is getting more experience in the cellar, mm -hmm. which I'm really excited for. And just seeing you back there is, I love it. Thank you. I'm really and, good at following people around. <laughs> <laughs> and bringing her in and having her do diacetyl tests with us. It, it, I mean, to think about like where I started and then seeing Sydney going through that now, it doesn't occur to me how the simple steps are, are very much needed to get to the end point. Everything from swirling the glass and sniff and sniffing it. And I would see Sydney just, she would pick up the glass after it being poured and just sniff it. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. You, you want to swirl it almost. And not I'm struggling with the motor skills of swirling it too, which is crazy because I've been drinking wine. Like I was about to say my whole life, but for a long time, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I was like, I'm, I'm all freaked out now. But also seeing her react to the to just tasting beer that's still fermenting and trying to see if whether or not we should pass it or not. Her facial expressions are not really understanding what is a very, what's a very like a beer that's extremely, that's a lot of diacetyl to a beer that we're passing and not understanding the difference between a lot of yeast that still need, that it still has a lot of yeast and needs more work or it's good to go. And to see Sydney's visual responses was, it just reminded me of when I started and thinking mm -hmm. that diacetyl was a great taste to have in a beer. Like, mm, I love the taste of butterscotch. I'm so glad mm, that this beer tastes like popcorn. that. Oh my God, I was so new. I was such a little baby. But that's, <laughs> all, well, I'm just sorry to interrupt, but that's also what's kind of interesting about the sensory stuff is like everyone has different connotations and context for those flavors. I was thinking that with the butterscotch, I was like, I think for a lot of people that would be something that they would want to taste not on purpose, but just people who don't know, like oh, yeah, be yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, I like butterscotch and I like beer. What if we put them together? That's awesome. But like 
it's not supposed to be there, but other people will have another connotation for it that they're like, well, that's okay with me. Well, yeah, it's called a pastry stout. No, no, no. I don't no, mean intentionally. No, oh, no, no. no. Got it, got I mean it. like a person who's like, let me take this beer off the shelf and bring it home. And then it has diacetyl and they're like, I don't know why this tastes like butterscotch, but man, am I enjoying it? And it's like, okay, so there's something wrong with the beer that you're drinking, mm. like objectively, but you're enjoying your beer that tastes like butterscotch. Next time it won't taste like that probably. So then you'll right. be confused, but right. like, it's interesting that it doesn't, off flavors don't have to be bad. I... Well, hundred percent agree with that. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm a big believer of that. I don't think that all off flavors are horrible and bad. Sometimes they work. Oh, you like, <laughs> the, you like the Cheerios, right? I like no, the I don't like the Cheerios. I, oh, no, I like the Cheerios. Breeze likes the Cheerios. Lindsay, don't judge me. I, I can feel you judging Breeze me. Breeze likes THP. <laughs> oh, I don't. Like a little splash of it. It's fine. <laughs> I like Cheerios. Uh, to the to the listener, again, that's a beginner that's just now get it, getting started. Can you break down the most obvious off flavors in a beer that they mm. could pick up that they probably think that, oh, this belongs in here, but in reality, it is an off flavor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have a similar philosophy around on and off, good, bad. You know, I, I kind of flavor is flavor. Um, I, I think we consider some of like the key off flavors to be off flavors because they're indications of process things that are kind of going wrong that could potentially harm the yeast or, you know, you know, give kind of a funky fermentation profile. Um, but generally in order to be considered off my kind of philosophy on that is it has to have some kind of consumer impact. Um, and I have done like little tiny research projects to validate that actually people generally don't like diacetyl. Um, like they, they can pick it out and it usually has a negative effect on their, on their preference for a product. Um, I mean, some major brands have been built on flavors that we would consider to be off flavors. Um, DMS, uh, think of like your, your, um, clear glass bottles, like skunky. Oh, yeah. Right. Oof. It's, but mm -hmm. those are some of the biggest selling brands out there. Um, so right. is it yeah. really an off yeah. thing or is it just something that's fine or whatever? So I, I don't, I try not to get too caught up on that kind of stuff on on and off, but, um, to kind of contextualize it generally, um, we can detect a whole number of different chemical compounds that can indicate what's going on in production. Um, some of the more common flavors that we talk about are diacetyl, which you all mentioned already. Mm -hmm. um, and diacetyl is a is a beautiful example because it's actually beautiful. It's a great example of how sensory can essentially help you predict your fermentation, which is really great. I mean, you did it today. You did a forced diacetyl test. And how did you decide if your fermentation was done? You smelled it and you tasted it and you decided that you weren't seeing that indication of um it being in mid fermentation. So diacetyl goes up and then it goes down. Um, there are a number of different flavors that can kind of indicate that your yeast is maybe in distress or that you have something up with your hops or whatever. Um, but I, I mean, in, in, to detect some of those things takes a little bit of training and that's kind of like, you know, second wave sensory. First wave sensory is, I know what my product is supposed to taste like and this doesn't taste like the thing. Mm. Um, or this isn't something that I anticipated would be there. 
And then you kind of get into investigative mode and figure out maybe why so that you can change your process a little bit. So it's really helpful in fermentations to be able to detect some flavors that we would kind of consider to be, quote, off. Um, but even that's kind of like a second wave thing that, that you can do as a professional brewer. Right. So where I work, we use draft labs. I love it for many reasons. Let me say why. Because we all have <laughs> our on. own personal way of being able to give a response. And I think this is where I start to kind of blend into the feeling like I, it's hard to speak up sometimes when mm -hmm. I am the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that because they are receptive and I have some great some great dudes who I work with who are very much not only very like huge supporters of me being able to speak up about my sensory, uh, my sensory abilities and being able to, to call something out what it is. But I think because they're just so accustomed to the way that they've done sensory for so long that mm -hmm. it's really intimidating for me to come in and, 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 and really speak up for myself and say, no, I really think there's diacetyl in this. If you guys don't pick it up now, then you guys are going to be, then for sure you guys are going to pick it up next week. And at times they do end up picking it up next week. And it's, it's not like I told you so, but it's more of like, I'm hoping that these actions allow you guys to kind of hear me out just a little bit more. So with your app, it's great because I can actually say those things and there's, a, there's like a little comment box. And so I don't have to feel intimidated to speak up on like the specifics of what I'm tasting. So if they're like, cause we switched up, we used to like just be open about this and just speak about it on the floor and then they would email it and send it. But now we all get our own, our own, uh, like our own comment box, our own, you know, our own sensory panel that we have within our own phones with the app that we have. Mm -hmm. So everybody just kind of types it in now. So that gives me more of an ability to actually write what I really think without being told no, we don't, we don't smell that or no, we don't taste that. And so you mm -hmm. I feel like the app allows me to be more expressive about sensory, more expressive about what I'm tasting and what I'm smelling without feeling like what I'm saying doesn't like, it's not going to hold any water. So, I mean, and again, you also have a lot of articles on there as well. And there's like another, like it's, there's so many testing grounds that you have on there that allows for these type of, um, interactive group projects that we can do, not just with the higher ups, but also with the team. But I, I just want to let you know, like, that's what the program did for me, where it gave me more of more of the feeling to feel more comfortable, like at least typing it and then saying it and then be more descriptive in what it is that I'm picking up because your platform allows for that. So I just wanted to just wanted to say, like, I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Rad. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the kind of pillars of running a solid sensory program is the ability to have independent evaluations. Um, there's a whole number of ways that you can bias the outcome of a test and essentially you're bringing down your panel into one person. And I've seen it so many times. Um, even the tool itself is there to help you run a, a solid program, but you could still run a bad program with the tool. Yeah. Um, but basically like guiding you to be able to do your independent evaluation and having kind of some guardrails to be able to do that is, is like step one in, in building a solid panel. Cause you need numbers, um, going back to, somebody made a comment earlier, going back to one of the comments earlier around, um, around, we all kind of have these different experiences. That's, Absolutely true. We all have these different experiences with the same product. 
And that can be a, a really good thing that can kind of help us get a more holistic understanding of the product. But basically, as you add more people to your panel, all of that variation kind of ends up smoothing out. And so you can start seeing similarities and you can start seeing, um, you know, overlap with what's going on. And that's where everything kind of opens up really nicely for you. But if one person is kind of dictating the outcome of that test, then it's not a, it's not science anymore. It's, um, it's opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's called the halo effect um, for a number of reasons. One thing is because one person holds the halo over their head, right? And that if that one person is kind of, you know, the brewmaster holds some position of authority, people tend to follow the halo. We wrote a blog post about this a little while ago. You can check it up, check it on our, our website, but um, it, it's essentially what you just described. It's one person with some position, some authority says a thing, the tendency is to always follow that. Um, and I've definitely seen that in myself, like wanting to give similar feedback as the pr person in, in position. Um, but it turns out we're all just people that have different experiences. Um, so, I mean, I was very careful at, at New Belgium to not prioritize the brewmaster's opinion over the other 30 panelists that we had. And our brewmasters knew they were just one person. Um, they, I mean, they could go do something about whatever they tasted, but we weren't going to escalate anything unless uh, n enough people said something to where it made it valid. Um, so that's, that's what it is. And you'll see it everywhere. The halo effect is all over the place. When you were formulating how you were going to set up your program for Draft Labs, did, how much did you take into account? Because I know that you're like a hard sciences person. Uh, and though I hate the term, like the soft sciences of like sociology mm -hmm. and psychology and stuff, like how much did you take that into account when you were creating this in order to be able to get the best data that you could get? Mm -hmm. Were you yeah, at that's, all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's part of what makes sensory so great is because it's kind of this um, multifaceted discipline where you're bringing in a lot of techniques from a lot of different sciences. Um, so yeah, there's a huge human element that goes into sensory. We're using humans that are, as our instruments and we're all over the place in many ways. So what we're kind of trying to do is understand where we can be variable and try to account for those variations. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll tell a story because I, I ran a sensory program that I thought was just, you know, really by the book, literally by the books, you know, <laughs> read lots of books and I did it by the book, um, at, at New Belgium. And what we went, when we went to create draft lab, I essentially wanted to kind of copy and paste what I was doing, but we went to some small breweries and we started kind of testing it out and they looked at us like we were crazy. They're like, no way are we doing this? Um, so it was kind of a it was a it was kind of a nice moment to recognize that i actually as a product developer now in software need to use the skills that i'm using as a consumer researcher um, in mm -hmm. flavor in the same manner so we went kind of back to the drawing board and basically we create the tools that we create alongside of the people that are going to be using it um, because if they're not going to use it in the way that we think that they're going to use it and they're doing something wacky over here, we need to listen to that and watch it. Otherwise, why even do it? Um, so we we do product development with human beings to make sure that human beings are going to use it how they want to be using it. 
And we understand that some of the ways that people are using it is not exactly by the book, but that's reality. And mm -hmm. we can account for that. Um, and, you know, there, I was at a, a sensory conference in 20, like 18 or 19. And one of the things that they were talking about was kind of this augmented reality where they were putting people with in these rooms with these big screens that essentially was trying to mimic like a cafe or mimic a brewery. And they put headphones on them and little AI goggles on them so that they can like kind of be in the situation. And then they would give them a coffee or they would give them a beer and ask them questions about it. And the whole time I was thinking, why not just go to a brewery? I was just thinking, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking it would be so much so easier. You know, they make those in real life. <laughs> There's one down the street. Yeah, it we... wouldn't cost you $100,000 to go there. Um, so we go to actual breweries and we see how people actually use it. And we make sure that they can get good, useful data out of it in their context. So. <laughs> that that's is insane. Awesome. I feel like that's the whole point of conventions. I've like never been to one, but I feel like it's a lot of like people talking about their field and then someone in like tech is like, okay, but what if we had VR? Yes. <laughs> like, that's exactly like, what it is. And lots of dry sandwiches. Mm. The driest dry sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. And bags mm -hmm. of chips and like, it's just a lot of indigestion. Lots of virtual tons. reality. Oh, yeah. Yes. Love tons it. of virtual reality. <laughs> Uh, so I want to wrap them things up a little bit here. Uh, I wanted to ask you, do you, so in this, like with you being a beer consumer, are there beers that you just will stay away from as opposed to beers that you welcome? So for example, for me, absolutely no for me on pumpkin beers. Like I, oh, yeah. I will not like the, I just Lindsay, Listen, we can be <laughs> great friends, but if you're just like, come over, I have a fridge full of pumpkin beers for you to try. Mm. Yeah. I would be like, you know what? I'll just have a glass of rosé. Thank you very much. And let's just call yeah. it a night. Um, so like, what's that beer for you that you absolutely won't drink? Cause I know people ask like, what's your favorite beer to drink? What's your favorite beer to brew? What beer will you absolutely not drink? Yeah, I always love the the reversal with that. You like get real answers. Like when we when we're doing product development, I generally don't ask people like, "What do you like about the your job?" I try to get them to go negative because like that's where things. And I'm glad that we kept this positive because that's really where like the real thing kind of comes out. Where you're like, "Okay, this is the problem that we can actually solve." If I just talk about what you like, you're never going to give me anything good. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's so true. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's where you really go deep. Um, as far as beers that I don't love, I, um, it's funny. I'm like, I'm going to answer another question. Um, <laughs> I will drink, I'll drink pretty much any beer for the most part. Um, I, I actually like pumpkin beers. I think they're fine. Um, mm. there are other, there are beers that I like more than others. Um, but I'll pretty much drink. I'm really trying to go through my brain. I'll pretty much drink anything, honestly. Um, I guess if I had to choose, I probably won't drink like an imperial, you know, sour barrel, like whatever, like something with a lot of alcohol and something with like a lot of different kind of conflicting flavors. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I worked for New Belgium. I, I love sour beers, but um, and I love like beers with a lot of different flavors. But if it's if it's just like so much in your face, I just find that really fatiguing. So I find myself like going for more light 
products now. Um, and I, I love a good, like well-made IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I am like, I am just a statistic, honestly. If you look at beer <laughs> trends, like I, there I am, <laughs> like that person. But I, I yeah, I, I tend to drink. I mean, I tend to drink beers from Draft Lab users, <laughs> Ooh, and there are okay. there are enough Ooh. there are enough of them out there that I have a lot of selection. Um, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, I might as well just drink drink from the people that I know and love, um, and that's generally what I do. So right now, I have um, a decent amount of Russian River in my Girl, not a, not a, not a, yeah. okay, wow, we're coming not a over. To have. We're yeah, on we our need way. To brag. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I also live in Northern California, so it makes, oh, okay, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's, like, it's pretty easy for me to find, and it's usually like two weeks old again. Why not? Seriously, like you're either trying to start a fight, or you know, you're just gonna yeah, yeah. start a fight. It's one or the other. So there's that. Yeah. So my address I'm very, is I'm very blessed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an invitation to northern california exactly mm-hmm. and then Come on up. finally like for me the last question on my end if you guys had anything else to ask before i asked my last question my last question ayana do you have any questions yeah i'm a sensory queen um i did not prepare enough to <laughs> come up with questions i feel like i'm gonna have a million questions like after we finish but <laughs> We do work with soup producers as well. Nice. <laughs> that helps. Oh, wait, that actually, that's interesting. So I guess I assumed that Draft Labs was mostly for beer. And you mentioned that anyone could use it. I didn't realize that it was used by food production and other beverage yeah. producers. So... Do you have flavor maps for them too? Is that kind of <laughs> yeah. like how far do you go? Is there a soup flavor map? <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, so we started in beer. Uh, that's what I'm familiar with. That's what I what I know. And um, pretty quickly we realized that I mean these are sensory methods that are that are again we didn't invent them. A lot of people use them across different industries. We just applied them to beer. Mm. The only thing that's really specific, I guess, in Draft Lab is the some of the lexicons. Although, like I mentioned, the lexicons are really just tools to help you describe your product. So if you work in an industry that we, we internally call them like communal industries, um, but industries like chocolate, whiskey, um, beer, wine, um, we have a shellfish um Love flavor that. map yeah Love we like that. just got connected with a shellfish person so we're like sure we'll that's make cool. that uh we have a rice lexicon there's like a number of Ooh, things um that's cool too yeah. wait yeah. are these these are all available to public viewers not just the companies that you work with the rice one in particular is private that's for okay. a business that they they privately use it um the, but shellfish is open if you want to use it yeah if you go on our website we have a bunch that are printed as well so we have excellent. like an fmb one out there cider seltzer um excellent so yeah the, the so flavor maps resources. are yeah <laughs> they're, they're the only real specific on thing yeah cool. yeah cool um well i guess my question is my closing question is looking back all this time you doing this with your company and also in the industry, what are you most proudest of? 
Oh, that's such a wonderful question. Um, <laughs> I think that that like changes all the time. Um, I mean, right now in this place that I sit, um, I'm going to pause and they can just edit this out <laughs> um, so that I don't like say something silly. Um, I mean, of course the tools and stuff that we've made are, are great. They're cool. But um, I guess when it comes down to it, what I'm most proud of right now is how we've kind of been able to use our connections or how I've been able to use my connections and kind of the work that we've been doing and, these kind of smaller communities and these individual relationships that I have to um, kind of propel the industry forward in a way that really has nothing to do with the product. Um, and it has just everything to do with the people. So I think what I'm more, what I'm really passionate about now and interested in now is like some of the more like community organizing things that we've been up to um, that like, I know that we didn't really touch on too much today, but um, that's the stuff that I didn't think that I was capable of doing or didn't really see myself as somebody who, you know, kind of lives in that space up until relatively recently. So that's kind of where I'm finding some challenge and um, excitement in, in building those relationships and kind of banding our, our people together to kind of make this industry better. Okay. Well, I mean, this is our show. Do we beautiful. want just very, very, you know, just in how you want to summarize it, but like what kind of community, like, tell me about that, the connections about that. I, I'm curious to know. Yeah. I mean, even our relationship, you and I, um, mm. like just being, being able to meet and kind of have conversations that are focused around, not necessarily the product, but the, the people. Yeah. Um, and you know, recognizing like beer is cool, like it's a thing, but like, does it really matter? Like not really, <laughs> not really <laughs> in the broad context of the world, like not really. Um, but what matters is like, you know, what we're doing for each other and what we're doing in our communities. Um, so, I mean, I guess the e example is uh, the arm wrestling events that we put on um, for different charitable organizations. Um, so we started doing that uh, and by we, I mean myself and um, Andrea Stanley from uh, Valley Mall and Nicole from Throwback. Um, all we kind of put our little heads together. I think the first time we did this was in 20, like 17 or 2018. And it was just like a little underground fundraiser at CBC. Um, just under the, we, we just had this conversation where we're like, man, we go into these cities and we just like kind of take it over and we don't really do anything to like build connections here. Like let's do something to build a connection here. I love that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like, that's the mechanism. Like I couldn't care less about arm wrestling, <laughs> but yeah. like that's the mechanism to like meet a bunch of people. If you were at CBC this year, you probably maybe went, did any of you go breeze? Were you no. there? No. no okay. I, yeah. I missed it. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the mechanism that I use to recruit wrestlers to find people that um, are doing cool shit and want to put on a costume and be crazy in service of funding, like raising funds 
Um, so this last year, we did a fundraiser for Abortion Care Tennessee in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and just like totally packed this place and like could not believe how many people came out and how much support we got. We were able to raise like $10,000 in a night. And like oh, it's, yeah. you know, there's a lot. Yeah. And there's like a lot of stuff where like we get down on the industry here and there. But you look around at an event like that and everybody is there and everybody is stoked and they want to be a they really want to be a part of stuff. So if the mechanism is out there, if the events are out there, like the people in our industry will show up and it's really, really cool to see. Yeah. I so feel like I that's, that's not talked about enough. Amazing. So thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like, that's where I'm getting a lot of little sparks of joy. Um, of course, developing products is really fun too, but being able to kind of, um, see people that you love uh, and meet people that now you you love um, yeah. i can't tell you how many amazing people that i've met just by like reaching out to arm wrestlers and just by reaching out to like the local community we met like the two the two referees that we had this year were just like these burly literally professional arm wrestlers these like so big awesome. buff guys <laughs> and like one is like ranked number three in the world and the other one's like ranked number like 12 or something in the world they're just like massive men and like i got to meet them and they were just the coolest like just so down <laughs> that's so um, awesome so that's that's kind of a cool thing to be able to to use this mechanism to do a little organize like do those little organizing events here and there Speaking of the halo effect, this whole time you've been talking like the sun is hitting you, like at this I, angle. Like, it looks like you know, I was angle. thinking the same right. thing. <laughs> That's why I was like, yes. yeah. she's ready butt. to ascend. Yeah. Yeah. She's literally wearing a halo. One side of my neck is going to be burnt. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but the fog is rolling in, thank God, again. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> That's funny. Here comes winter. That, I mean, I love that. I, I really want to be out there for a CBC to do this or wherever else. Like you have like the, the hand, like the arm wrestling stuff. You need to come out to New York and do that. We should totally organize sure. something like that in New York. We have like, we have enough people that can definitely organize an event like that along with other like females in the industry who want to also create more community involved things. So, I mean, now yeah. we're going to just keep talking about this after love we're it. done because we, and also it's another excuse to get you out here. Again, it's me being <laughs> selfish and just yeah. trying to take advantage of you coming out here as many times as possible. So, yeah. Um, but we have the blueprint. Happy to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a meeting next yeah. week after this. It'll be fantastic. Keep an eye out, New yeah. York listeners. Exactly. <laughs> Lindsay, you're amazing. Thank you so much for jumping in and having this conversation with us. People like you are the reason why we want to do this to continue having these conversations that definitely need more just more like public time more open time more like more access to people to be able to know more about these type of uh, resources that are out there for them but also learning about what else the industry is doing aside from just brewing beer right yeah. and you're a big part of that you're more than just beer you're soup you know you're <laughs> <laughs> That no, at full stop. And oh right my there. god, that's so funny. <laughs> um, and with that, I say you're amazing. I love you so much. Thank you, and um, you're the best. Thank you. So so thank, you thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. Start it up. Start it up.